0: Well, let's open up the scriptures today. We are concluding a series we've been in called The Journey. And as I was praying with one of our uh, prayer ministry leaders this morning, he made a good point. Today, we conclude the series, The Journey, which is the beginning of The Journey yet again. The beginning again of saying yes to Jesus. The beginning again of following Jesus. And what we've been talking about here at the Vineyard is it is our desire to follow Jesus together that is the jesus life that is the life of faith that is the story of the scriptures is you and i have been invited to be a part of a family who look to god the father son and holy spirit in all things and we follow in all things simple enough it's just a game of follow the leader really the unique thing about this is it's your life and you get to decide who's the leader you're going to follow Who's the leader you're gonna follow? And here at the Vineyard, we are unapologetically desiring to follow Jesus in all things. In all things. Our journey of following Jesus is rooted in the good news of God's kingdom. It's where we started and it's where we're gonna wrap up because all things flow from God's kingdom. All things flow from God's kingdom. They sow life with God. They sow life with others. They invite us into a life on mission. And then it comes right back again to the the kingdom of God. Because we are to seek first the kingdom. We are to worship Jesus as king. We are to orient all of our lives to the kingdom of God, which is welcoming the life of God. You might dream about heaven one day. Well, it's not a wait for all of it then. We begin to welcome it here and now. And so we've had this picture Of what this journey of discipleship looks like. It's established and rooted in the fact that God is king. You don't have to carry that weight, you don't have to carry that load. And what it invites us to is a way of relating to one another where we can ask three really important questions. The first question is How is your life with God? How is your life with God? We believe God loves you. The scriptures are very clear. You are loved by God, and God wants to give you his very life. And we can answer that question in a lot of different ways depending on the season of life we're in. You might think, man, my life with God is great. God is close. God is near. You might go, I don't have a life with God. I don't even know what you're talking about. And anything in between. But that question matters, and that's a question we can share with our small group. That's a question we can share with our family, with our coworkers, with our neighbors. How is your life with God? Another important question we see in the scriptures in the way of Jesus is how is your life with others? Jesus cares about how you treat the people around you. It matters. How are your key relationships? How's that going? Is it a place of Vibrancy or is it a place of discouragement? How's how's your heart in regards to forgiveness? Are you forgiving your enemy? Are you loving your enemy? How's your life with others? And then this other one, which is an interesting one to kind of navigate, but it is this question of how is your life on mission? Do you see the life and the work of God going on around you and you're just simply attentive to God's voice, stepping into God's story, saying, I'm with you. I'm following you in action. I'm following you in love. I'm following you in service to other people. I am a place that the good news of God's kingdom is being proclaimed and demonstrated. How is your life on mission? How is your life with God? How is your life with others? How is your life on mission? Three questions that encompass this journey of following Jesus. And none of this is to be heard with a religious spirit. None of this happens apart from God. This is the overflowing life of life with God. This is the overflowing life of life in God's kingdom. This is grace upon grace upon grace. So here's the summary. In summary, Here's what we would say. Jesus is the greatest, and he invites us to be great. A.K.A. goat status. Period. Greatest of all time. That's what the goat. We like to ascribe that to athletes. That athlete is the goat, the greatest of all time. And I just, want to be, I just want us to see it again in the scriptures. We had a, an incredible gift a couple weeks ago. Nikki Gage preached on the Great Commission. Last week, Terrence Campbell from Growing Faith Fellowship gave an amazing message on the great collaboration. And what we see Jesus be really clear is the great commandment. And so I want to just connect these three for you as we step into this last message. So here's the great commandment. You all ready? This is, Jesus is the greatest, and he invites us to be great. The great commandment. Matthew 22. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's here's what Jesus says. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything hangs on these two. Everything is summarized in two. So if we want to live great in this life, how do we do that? We love the Lord our God with everything we have, and we do what else? Love our neighbor. Two. Now remember this. Please don't forget this. And as we read the next one, the Great Commission. Here's the Great Commission Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. How, okay, pause. How many of you get overwhelmed right there? I have to do everything you commanded? Like, you mean everything to. Everything is caught up in two. Love the Lord your God with everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. Self. And we're good because everything is encaptured in those two. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The great commandment, love the Lord your God with everything, love your neighbor as yourself. The great commission, share my life with everyone and tell them to obey everything I've commanded you, which is to be people of love, to love me and to love your neighbor. And then we get the great collaboration. Jesus prays for us. Somebody said this to me recently. I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is Jesus is praying for you. The bad news is you're going to need it. (laughs) Here in this life, it is not yet the fullness of heaven. It is not yet the fullness of God's kingdom, which means we long for more of God. We long for more of God because there is still sickness, there is still grief, there is still death, there is still sorrow, there is still war, there is still anger and heartache and destruction. And Jesus prays for us and he says this in John 17, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message That you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Church, this is such good news. But can you hear the closeness? The longing of God for us is a journey of incredible proximity, of incredible closeness. So much so that the presence of the living God, the Holy Spirit, is in us, uniting us into God. So there is no separation. There is no separation. There is no distance. There's no, oh God, I wish you were close. It's God, I know you are in me, and you are for me, and you are empowering me. to anchor me in the love that you share with the Father so that I might join you in your story over and over and over and over and over again so that when I relate to the world around me, it is an overflow of your love. When I relate to the world around me, it's an overflow of your presence. When I relate to the world around me, it is an overflow of your kingdom. Simple enough. So, why does it not happen more? Why does this feel so elusive? Why do I wake up tomorrow forgetting the hope that I have anchored in my heart today? Why? Well, I'm human, I'm forgetful, I'm tired. I'm weak. I am not God. Every day that I wake up is an invitation to live into the work of Jesus, not I've got this. The work of Jesus, not God, I don't need you anymore because I've got it. It is relationship, relationship, relationship. The work of Jesus is personal, the work of Jesus is communal. And it is missional. It is these things all together. And all of us might be focused on one a little bit more than the others, but when we begin to neglect or forget or walk away from one, we're missing an important part of what God wants to do in us and through us every day. We're missing part of the life of God's kingdom. And so I just want to bring it all home with like a very simple invitation for us. I need us to understand this work of God's kingdom is beloved community. It is together, unified in love. The greatest commandment is love God. The second is like it, love people. And then we go love the people around us in the Great Commission and we share the hope of Jesus. This is what God's doing in my life. God's changing my life. It is actually good news for me. It is good news that when my family is sick, we can pray for healing because we know a God who heals. It is good news that when I'm not sure what to pray, I can text my friends and they'll pray for me when I have need. It's good news that we can join the mission of God through a meal, expressing mercy and care and kindness where it's needed most. The life of Jesus gives us the model. The life of Jesus shows us the way. So I want to bring us right back again to Jesus. In Luke 4, we're going to be hanging out in the Gospel of Luke. If you're new to faith or you're exploring faith, I'm so glad you're here on this journey. We are all trying to grow in these things together. Some of us have been doing this for decades. Some of us doing this for a month or two. Maybe some of us are asking questions for the first time. We need each other for this journey. So Luke is a New Testament book. And we get to hear about the life of Jesus, and I want you to hear the life of Jesus and the way Jesus lived to set the stage for where we're going to finish today. In Luke 4, it starts off with these words, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Then there's this interesting interaction where Jesus is confronted. It's difficult. Then in verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogues, as was his custom. you all hear that? The custom of Jesus was to worship in community, to be present among the people of God in that town, with the reading of scriptures and turning the affection to God the Father. It says, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is where he rolls up the scroll, drops the mic, and walks off the stage. Everyone is in awe. Everyone is in awe. And just to be remarkably clear, if we keep reading in this part of the Scriptures, we get to verse 43. And I just want you to hear what Jesus says about himself. What Jesus says about himself in verse 43 is interesting because he's like driving out demons He's healing many people. He's going from this place to that place. The kingdom of God is breaking in in power, in demonstration. Lives are being changed. They're seeing real authority. And it says this in verse 42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. They're like, no, Jesus, we want you to ourself. We want you here where we are. Listen to this, but Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Jesus is super clear, and I think we need to be equally as clear. Jesus was sent to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God the central message and mission of Jesus is the good news of the kingdom of God. That's why in our discipleship graphic, the kingdom is at the center. It is the anchor. It is the rule and reign of God. It's the authority of God. God is king. God is at work. God is alive. God has a way that we are to live, and when we live in that way, It's good news to our lives. When we live in that way, it's good news to the people around us. The central aim and purpose of Jesus is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, and that becomes the central aim and purpose of our lives if we follow Jesus. God has authority over every part of my life. That's how I worship and love God in return. And God has authority in every part of my life. That's how I love my enemy. God has authority and ownership over all of my life, so I just give it back to him in praise. I welcome the Holy Spirit to have authority so that I can be led and guided into truth and into understanding and into wisdom because all of my life is for the life of God. All of my life is so that the rule and reign of God might break in here and now, and I get to practice for heaven. Because heaven is where God's rule and reign is fully established. There's no more enemy. There's no more death. There's no more destruction. And so we, here and now, are being called into this story. Here's what I mean. When we welcome the rule of God, that's giving God to have, that's like saying, God, I give you permission to be over me, and, and like I submit, I yield to your authority in my life. I begin to say, God, would your authority be the most important voice in every single thing I do? That's how I welcome God's kingdom here and now. Not the wisdom of man, although we should seek wisdom from one another, and we're going to experience the gift that that is in community yielding to God. But in all things, we actually need God's voice, God's way, God's truth, God's life to be over everything. How many some of y'all right now like look like, you mean all? Woof. Remember, this is not you figuring out how to do this. This is you welcoming the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit, to transform and take over and have residence in you. It's the same way Jesus did it, it's the same way we do it. Here's what I mean let's jump to Luke 12. Let's just jump to Luke 12. I'm going to try to do my best to set the stage for us because what we're going to do today is have a chance to practice how we respond to an invitation like this. And I just, I just want you to understand the scene. In Luke 12, this is how it starts. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so that they were trampling on one another, This is chaos, people. This is chaos. People are trying to hear the wisdom and the words of Jesus, and they are trampling on one another. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. So he teaches. And then in verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Apparently they saw his wisdom, they're asking for financial advice, and they're trying to get Jesus to broker inheritance stuff. Think about this, the crowd is gathered, they're trampling one another, and then somebody yells out, I want my cut, Jesus. I want my cut. What is the focus of the crowd? Getting what? Theirs. Getting theirs. I hate hate to do this, but can you not just see yourself in that story moment? Hey, Jesus, get me mine. I want mine, Jesus. See, we shouldn't just villainize them real quickly. So Jesus begins to teach and respond. And then in verse 22, this is where I want us to pick it up. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Let me connect this very quickly. At the end of worship, Devin invites us to the presence of God to free us from worry. Not knowing this is the text I'm about to preach. Jesus looks at his followers and says, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body and what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, Why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon. Solomon was wealthy, had the most beautiful, most splendor of all kind of kingdoms. in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown away into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? you of little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. People apart from God are running after all these things, trying to make something of their life, distanced from No anchoring reality of a relational God who already loves them and wants to provide for them. They are running in a particular way and he says, not so with you. Not so with you. Your Father knows what you need. And here it is in verse 31. But seek first his kingdom and these things will be given to you As well. Seek first His kingdom. Seek first His kingdom. And your life and everything you need will flow towards you from the Giver of Life. Anchored in relationship, known and loved. Seek first his kingdom. I think what this means is in everything we do, we seek first God's kingdom. And you know what I love about this is this is being proclaimed in a context of do not worry. Do not worry. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. I love this. Like, Jesus is like, oh, my little ones. When was the last time you just felt like one of God's little ones? That you were just safe and secure. That God, the creator of everything, just looks at you and goes, I love you. You are mine. I got you. Just look up at all the stars. I did that. I got you. Just behold the beauty of creation. Do you know how all that works? It's okay, I do. I know what you need. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. It's what we need. It is the thing that we long for, whether we can articulate it or not. I mean, look at what's happening. Just, just look at the world. And Jesus draws it. He goes, look, there's a way of the world apart from me, and there's a way of the world with me. Apart from me, we spin our tires. We seek for what we need. And if you go back and read more of Luke 12, there's a person who has, like, wealth, and they're building up storehouses for themselves, and then they die. Build the greatest empire, you die. You die gather all the wealth, you die, and then people fight over what you built. In a world driven by capitalism, by consumerism, by a wealth metric, I would say, arguably, this is Kurt's opinion, this is not biblical or scriptural, so you can just take me to task on it. We live in an economically saturated environment. Economically saturated And God says, lift your eyes, little flock. Lift your eyes from the headlines. Lift your eyes from the accounts. Lift your eyes again today and seek first the kingdom and everything you need will flow towards you from the giver of life. Everything you need will flow towards you. And here's what's beautiful about that. The amount of freedom that that is, is everything we receive from God is God's grace, and it is a gift. And then we, in a posture of gratitude, say, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with my life that you've given me? What do you want to do with these resources you've given me? What do you want to do with these relationships you've given me? Let's do this together, and I seek the kingdom of God in all things. And so my question that I've been asking myself, and I'll say it out loud so you can consider if you want me to ask this of you or not, you see what I did there? Are you seeking first God's kingdom in all things? No matter how good we're doing, the answer is probably No. And when we come to communion, that's where we say, Lord, forgive me. This is a place where we repent for seeking things other than God. This is a place where we repent and for seeking our security in other things, for seeking our well-being in other things, for taking control of our lives, for worry and anxiety and distress and fear. And we go, God, that is not what you have for me. So I lay it down and I turn to you. That's what repentance is. Repentance is turning to God. Every week when we receive communion, what we receive is a reminder of God's love for us, a reminder of God's forgiveness for us. So it's grace upon grace and an invitation to say, God, I start my week seeking you first. Help me remember that on Tuesday. Help me remember that at that board meeting Help me remember that when everything inside of me wants to just destroy the person in front of me this week. Help me remember that when all I can think about is money and greed tried to to take over. Help me remember and remember and return and return so that we might be a people who understand this. We need what only God can give. And we need each other, which is why we come to a table with our community to not forget. We need to follow Jesus together. We need what only God can give, and we need to seek first the kingdom. And so I'm going to invite us to stand, and we're going to respond. And some of you might need prayer today. Uh, some of you might need healing today. Some of you might need to begin to trust parts of your life back to God. Again, if you read this text, a lot of this is around money and provision. And we just don't always do great at that. We look at what we have. We go, there's not enough. And we, we struggle to be generous. Generous because we've not fully embraced the generosity of God in all aspects of our life. I don't know what it is, but I do think for all of us, we can assess our lives pretty quickly and go, God, I need to seek you first, and here's where I'm asking for your forgiveness. I have made an idol of work. I have made an idol of money. I've made an idol of my kids. I've made an idol of my appearance. I have made an idol of my fatigue, I've made an, I mean, whatever it is, I have elevated something above seeking you first. And you are going to get met with love. Forgiveness has already been bought in the life of Jesus. And what he says is this seek me first. So let's do that together. If you'll click on the communion slide, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. And then we're going to rehearse two refrains that we say week in and week out, which is we need what only God can give. And then you're going to come receive and just let the Holy Spirit speak and do what the Holy Spirit needs to do for you. And then we'll close. Let's pray this prayer out loud together. This is the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's say this next slide together. The bread, the body of Christ given for us and the cup, the blood of Christ given for us. Even if this is your first time with us here, everyone is welcome to participate in this meal if you have this heart. God, you have what I need, and I need you today. This is a place of welcome to receive what God wants to give you, his very life, the fullness of his love and his forgiveness. Come and receive the elements Partake of the elements when you're ready, and then we'll have a closing prayer and extended time of responding to the Spirit together. Come now and receive. God, as we participate in this meal, we just pray that you would increase the hunger of our heart for you. Increase the hunger of our heart for you, O oh God. just think there's an invitation for for some of us and it really is going to be about like an active response and I think the only way I know how to articulate it is there if, if you pay attention maybe it's quiet maybe it sometimes comes in moments of like it actually might feel like despair to you or like discouragement but if you've sort of been paying attention, what you know to be true of your life is you want more of God in your day-in, day-out experience. Like you may become and experience a moment in a worship service, or, but but like if you're just honest, you go, I actually just want more of God. I want more of God. I want more of God's presence. I want more of God's healing. I want more, I want to like be able to hear God. Like I read the scriptures, and it talks about hearing God's voice, and I just feel like it's quiet. If that just makes sense to you today, I'm actually going to ask you to stand, and we're going to pray for you, because if that stirring is happening in your heart, that's God already activating and like moving in your life. That's actually God initiating with you, and then our response is to go, okay, God, like I'm turning towards you and I'm wanting more of you. And so then we begin to seek the kingdom of God, which means we just seek God's presence in all things. And then we posture ourselves to go, okay, God, like I'm going to wait on you. I want you. I want and need what you have. So if that makes sense to you, I just want to, I just feel like we're supposed to ask you to stand. And we're just going to bless that we're just going to pray for you, and then we're going to pray over everybody to receive. So thank you, God. Thank you for the way you're stirring in lives and hearts. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I think the other invitation is like, you, you sort of hear me say that, and you go, you know what, that would be nice. I'm just actually too tired for that. I'm actually too tired for that. I think we're supposed to pray for your rest. And so, again, if that just makes sense to you, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing, of just of just the, the care of God for you. And So you're free to stand as well. If you see somebody standing near you, let's just stand together. Stand, stand near them. Ask you if you can put a hand of encouragement on them. We just say, come, Lord. We're just going to begin to ask the Holy Spirit to just minister to you in your seats. God, we just know what we need is you. And we just bless this stirring in real lives. Like, for the people who stood who are hungering for more of you, we just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Like, bless that. We bless that. We pray that that would increase. We pray that their experience and encounter of you would increase. And so we just say, come now, Holy Spirit. And for those of us who are just tired, we are worn out. For those of us who responded because we feel Just overwhelmed by worry and anxiety, we pray the freedom of God over you. Where Jesus just looks at you and says, do not worry. Do not worry, I've got you. Oh, what a delight to walk with Jesus. And so we just say, Holy Spirit, as we look to the beginning again of this journey with you, as we look to the beginning again of being a community who will follow you, we just say, come and have your way. Fill this holiday season with your presence. Fill this holiday season with your spirit that we might encounter you, we might know you, and we might be transformed by you. We love you, God, and we want to seek first your kingdom, knowing you then will give us all that we need. And so we bless everyone here today to experience your love and your presence and the work of your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.